Uh, if I asked you who you are, if we're just in conversation and, and I meet you for the first time or you're in conversation with one another and, and, and you're asked who you are, you, you might use things to describe yourself that, that identify your gender. You might say that you're male or female. You might uh, use words to talk about your ethnicity or your nationality. You might say, I'm an American. Even better, you might say, I'm a Texan, right? Uh, or you might say, I'm Caucasian or I'm African American. Or um, you might talk about your job and what you do. Uh, you might talk about whether you're the boss or an employee or a coworker. You might talk about the role that you have in your family, that, that you're uh, a sibling or a spouse or a parent or uh, a a cousin, you might identify yourselves in lots of different ways. You might talk about the hobbies that you enjoy. You might say that you're an athlete or a musician or an artist. All of the ways that we describe who we are help give definition to who we are. They help people understand where we're coming from. They help people know what we might be thinking or what our experiences might be. But these things that give definition to our lives, by definition, differentiate us from one another. And sometimes <clears throat> we forget that underneath all of that is our primary identity. That those things that we might name as ways uh, to tell people who we are, are not our primary identity. Paul writes to the Galatians, who also uh, were struggling a little bit to know exactly who they were. For in Christ Jesus, you are, are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. When we focus on the things that differentiate us from one another, we tend to forget that the core, this is who we are. When we focus on who we are as beloved children of God, when we focus on that primary identity for who we are, then we make all sorts of room for differences among us. When we come today to remember Jesus' baptism and remember our own baptism, we aren't baptized because we are male or female or because we are an American or a Texan or because we have a certain color of skin or hold a certain job or have a certain role. We're, we're baptized because God claims us as beloved children of God, all of us as beloved children of God. And I wonder today what it would be like when you think about who you are, even, even to the point if someone asks you who you are, what would it be like for you to think first, I'm a beloved child of God? And then what would it be like for you to allow others to start there too? Today we're remembering Jesus' baptism we're remembering our own, that we are named and claimed by God as beloved children of God. That's our primary identity before anything else, after anything else, regardless of anything else. We are beloved children of God.
Let us pray. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word to us today, that it would take hold of us and transform us, that we would hear it in a new way today. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This weekend of the year, usually the second weekend of of the year, we always remember Jesus' baptism. We celebrated Christmas, the nativity, Jesus born into the world. Last week, you celebrated Epiphany. Jesus revealed as a light of the world and uh, the light to all the world. And this weekend, we, we celebrate, remember and celebrate that Jesus was baptized. And that's an important part of who we are as, uh, as followers of Christ. The story of Jesus' baptism, we find it in the Gospels. And this particular uh, text is out of the Gospel of Mark. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. These pictures we took of the Jordan River back in 2014. We're going to get new pictures in June when we're there. Uh, so next year, you'll have new pictures of the Jordan River. Uh, you know, when, when you think of, when you read stories in Scripture, and we say this uh, regularly, uh, if you haven't been to the Holy Land or if you haven't been to those locations, you may have in your mind what that looks like. And if you've not ever been to the Jordan River, you might think the Jordan River is a nice flowing river of clean, pristine water that, that is just a, a beautiful uh serene place. Well, it is beautiful, but it's, it's not a, a, a peaceful, flowing, uh, clean space. I mean, this, this is the Jordan River and all of its muddiness and muckiness and, and all of its glory. There's steps in this particular location where you can walk down into the water, and we stood on those steps and remember our baptism when we're there. Uh, just across the river is Jordan, this is the, the Jordan River, and that's literally Jordan, just across the river. You know, in my mind, I always thought it was going to be this wider river, uh, but, but it's not. And one of the things I love the most is, is that in our mind, we tend to have these images or, or pictures of what Scripture is describing that sometimes feel a little beyond our humanity. And yet, everything in Scripture speaks to the messiness and the humanity of our lives. And that Jesus was in this water. This is the water in which Jesus was baptized. And we remember that today. John uh, was there uh, calling people to repentance. And, And baptism was an ancient ritual. It wasn't a new thing with Jesus. 
the water of repentance, baptizing them in the river, confessing their sins. Um, the, it was a ritual of purification, um, this confession of sin, receiving this experience of atonement, being made right with God. And the water was symbolic for people of that cleansing. Just as Paisley was saying, the, the cleansing and the washing, as Paul was praying in his prayer, the, the bath that washes off the dirt. But for people uh, uh, in this day and in the Old Testament, it was a ritual that had to be repeated over and over again. This repentance, recognizing your sin and making a different choice. I want to repent. I want to change my mind. I want to think differently. I want to go a different direction. I want to realign myself with who God has called me to be. The repentance that the water is symbolic of that decision. That confession. When Jesus is baptized, it changes the game for us, and that Jesus is baptized not only with the water, but then the presence of the Spirit. That was what made Jesus' baptism different than what they had been experiencing. The power of the Spirit that that says that to Jesus and, and to us, You are my child. My beloved, with you I am well pleased. Before Jesus has done anything, Jesus hasn't done a miracle yet, hasn't really said much yet. And God is is saying, you're my son. With you I am well pleased. And in our baptism, we receive that same identification as a beloved child of God in whom God is well pleased. Before we've done anything, before we've achieved anything, before we've gotten our lives together, God is claiming us as beloved children. And we remember that that's what he did for Jesus. Jesus comes to this space. Jesus doesn't need to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, but comes to this baptism so that His identity as a beloved child of God is confirmed by the presence of the Spirit, the voice of God. When we talk about baptism, it's important for you to uh, know about baptism that it's a gift from God to us. It's a gift that we have to receive. A gift is not a gift until the person who's received it has taken it and opened it and lived into it. In baptism, there are two primary actors or or people involved, God and the person being baptized. The pastor just gets to be an instrument of of the water and uh, of the words and of the space, but really it's a gift from God to the person being baptized. And there are two parts to baptism. As we were talking about the water, that cleansing, that renewal, that uh, reminder that we are made clean, that our sins are washed away, the water and the spirit. The spirit that empowers us, the water symbolic really of us saying that, I, I, I repent, I'm sorry for the way I've been living, for what I'm doing. I know that, that I'm not living in the, the path that God has for me, and, and I want to live differently. And Jesus' response to our repentance, God's response to our repentance is always forgiveness. Always. I love that sense of the water itself, that water is uh, abundant and always available, right? 
God's mercy, God's forgiveness is abundant, is always available. When we offer ourselves in repentance, there's not a second before God is offering forgiveness and mercy for us. The water, but then also the spirit. <clears throat> and the spirits that, that are our part of that is saying, I've, I've been made clean. I want to live faithfully as a child of God. And, and God says, by the presence of the spirit, I empower you to do that. I'm giving you the opportunity and the strength, all, all that you need to live fully alive in Christ, to live full and abundant life in Christ. I empower you with my spirit to live out this, this promise that you're making to follow Jesus. This presence of the spirit that allows us to know, the spirit that bears witness with our spirit, that we belong to God that we are God's beloved children. This is played out in Acts 19 because remember that the people are coming to John at the Jordan River to be baptized. Before, before Jesus has been baptized, it's a ritual that they participate in. The repentance and, and the forgiveness and being back on the right path. And now with the Spirit, there's a whole new power, a whole new opportunity, a whole new way of living. But the people haven't all experienced that. And so in Acts 19, we read, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the interior regions and came to Ephesus, where he found some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? They replied, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then he said, into what then were you baptized? And they answered, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Altogether, there were about 12 of them. These uh, people had been followers, right? They had been baptized. They had repented. They, they had been forgiven, They'd been connected, but not really, the power hadn't been turned on for them until now, until they received that gift of the Holy Spirit. In baptism, we are connected to God in a way that cannot be broken. We're connected to a source of power that, that cannot be taken away from us. We don't always choose to plug into that power. But it's a gift that God gives to us, the water and the spirit. The reason that we don't re-baptize in the United Methodist Church is because we believe that this act of baptism is that gift. It's, it's between God and the person being baptized. And that if God is making the promise and offering the forgiveness and offering the power of the spirit, God will never undo God's part of that. So we don't re-baptize. Your baptism takes whenever it's done. But we remember our baptism because it's so easy for us to forget who we are. It's so easy for us to forget that before we are anything else, we are beloved children of God. When we're baptized, there's a, a, a connection made, a connection to God that cannot 
be broken. Part of us is marked in a way that can never be undone. We don't all remember our baptisms. If you're baptized as an infant, you don't have necessarily a physical memory that you can recall of that. But your soul has a memory. Your spirit has a memory. That that is your connection to God, that you were named and claimed and brought into the body of Christ, the family of God. So whether or not you have a, a conscious memory, you do remember. And, and the rest of your life, once you've been baptized, the rest of your life really has been lived out in some kind of response to that baptism. Maybe the response is that you're fully plugged into the, the power of the Spirit and live this fruitful, faithful life as a disciple of Jesus. Maybe it is that you were, your parents had you baptized and then you never went back to church until you come to reconnect with the Spirit at a different time in your life. But you're still connected. You're still named and claimed at the moment of that baptism. You're God's beloved child. You're loved without condition. You're loved beyond measure. And no matter how your journey unfolds, no matter whether your parents took you to church and taught you about the love of God or they didn't, no matter whether you grew up in the church and then you left the faith because you felt betrayed by the church or betrayed by God, no matter whether you've, you've been in church your whole life and yet you're not sure you feel it the same way that others do, no matter how your life or your journey has unfolded, you're a beloved child of God. You belong to God. And sometimes it's, it's only when we come and physically remember our baptism that the connection is, is made for us. It's renewed for us. It's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you've, you've got something plugged into the outlet, but it, it is falling out, or it's, it's not quite connected to the source of power, or it's plugged in, but the switch hasn't been flipped on. Right? Or, or there's been some kind of break in the circuit and, and, and you're not sure you're experiencing that power. But when we come to the water, when we come to the well, and we remember, I imagine it, it, it could be kind of like that switch being flipped back on. And all of a sudden, the outlets that weren't working are working. Right? The power that has always been there is restored. No matter how your journey unfolds, remembering that you are God's beloved. I love the continuation of this story. Immediately after Jesus is baptized, he's driven into the wilderness and tempted. In Mark's gospel, the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts and the angels waited on him. I love that it says first he was with the wild beast. And the angels waited upon him. Many of you know what it means to be in the company of wild beasts. And the promise is that there are angels waiting on you as well. In Matthew's gospel, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, Command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, Jesus answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, 
but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What I love about this, do you remember what the last word that Jesus heard was before this moment? Do you remember the last word that Jesus heard? You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. Jesus faces the wilderness, faces the temptation, grounded in who he is as God's beloved child. When we're thrown into the wilderness, or when we enter it on our own sometimes, we go in as God's beloved children. We belong to God. And we're not ever going to be left alone in that. What if that is what we remembered, that we are God's beloved child whenever we walk into the wilderness or are driven into the wilderness? What if that's what we remembered when we experience heartache and disappointment, that first we're God's beloved child, or when the expectations that we have for life are unrealistic and unattainable, We're still God's beloved child. What if that's what we remembered when we are overcome by guilt and shame or when our relationships are broken or when the environment that we live in is one of anger and hatred or when we feel like we just can't catch a break from the heaviness and the brokenness of the world? What if we remembered, no matter where we are, that we are beloved children of God? We don't have to do anything to earn that. Jesus hadn't done anything when God says this. Jesus hadn't said anything. We don't have to have our lives all together. We don't have to have all the answers. We simply come to the water. And we remember who we are. And we all need to remember. We all need to remember. I I tell this story every year but I love it. Martin Luther, the great reformer, experienced periods of time of of despair and depression and uncertainty about who he was. But he had above his desk in his space the words, uh, Martin, be calm. You've been baptized, right? Martin Luther, the great Protestant reformer, needed that visible reminder for himself. And the story is that he would touch his forehead and he would say, Martin, be calm. You've been baptized. Be calm. You've been baptized. I wonder today what it is that has you sort of in the wilderness or, or maybe what it is that, that is a place where you're not sure you feel this power of God's spirit that has been offered to you or where your world may be kind of upside down or falling apart or not exactly what you thought it was going to be at this point in your life. I wonder what it would be like for you to put your hand on your forehead. Go ahead, put your hand on your forehead. And say, be calm. Be calm. Say, be calm. You've been baptized. You belong to God. You are a beloved child. Be calm. 
What, what would it look like if you remembered that you could do that? You are a beloved child of God, no matter what your world looks like right now. You're a beloved child of God. And there's nothing in this world that can change that. There's nothing, nothing that can change your primary identity. And so I wonder what it would look like. I wonder what it would look like for you to live from that place. Start there. Start as God's beloved child rather than starting in all the ways that we are different from one another. What if you start as God's beloved child and let others start from the place of being God's beloved child? Maybe the world would be a different place if we lived into that We're going to come in a minute to the water. Come to the well. Leave it all behind. Today is the, the day that, that you can say again, I'm a beloved child of God. It doesn't really matter how the day started. It doesn't really matter how the day will end or what will happen tomorrow. In this moment, I can remember that I am God's beloved child. And that God is pleased with me. And that I'm empowered. Empowered to live fully alive in God's spirit. Come to the water today. Come to the water. And remember who you are. Let the people say amen. I have a couple people